Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. Full crew today, Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament with lots to discuss after Pierre Dorian addressed the media. Basically a season-ending press conference. He says meetings with the players will be gone ongoing over the next few weeks. We'll get into all of what the GM of the Ottawa Senators had to say. As always, this episode of the Locked On Senators podcast is brought to you by... Built Bar. Yes, you know it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. They're 100% covered in chocolate, but without the calories to match. For example, the peanut butter brownie, just 170, but you're getting all the protein you need. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get $10 off your first box of Built Bar. I mentioned Pierre Dorian spoke. Well, so did the agent for Connor Brown. We'll let you know what he had to say. And more hardware for the Belleville Senators. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Friday, May 29th. And Pierre Dorian spoke with the media, but before we get to that, one of the main topics he spoke about was that Josh Norris is officially, no surprise, but we'll still give a drum roll, Brandon Piller, the Rookie of the Year, well-earned. Absolutely. I mean, the kid was lighting it up, and I feel like the last six episodes have basically been Josh Norris uh, talk episodes, especially when we got footy on here Uh he definitely had Norris as his MVP, as did most of you guys on Twitter, on our Twitter poll. We had Batherson, but definitely not a wrong answer having Norris as the MVP. As the most outstanding rookie in the entire league, he definitely deserves that. And Parley, what else you got to add about your boy, Josh Norris? I think what's most impressive about the body of work he put in this year was the fact that if you look around the league, the numbers that are comparable, the guys that were in that range that he was able to put up, are guys that are way older than him are and are the prototypical, well, they're too good for the AHL, but their game doesn't quite translate to the pro game, the NHL game, I guess I should say. So, I mean, it's so impressive that he was able to come in. And let's not forget, I mean, it feels like beating a dead horse on this podcast, but I feel like it hasn't been mentioned enough in general. The fact that he didn't play the second half of last year. And he was rehabbing, and then he came in and played his first season of pro hockey and was able to contribute the way he was and lead a team, really, offensively. He was almost automatic for a point per game this season. Lots of fun to watch, and he was playing so confidently. I think having a young group when you come up really helps a lot, too. He didn't kind of get forced into that pro style when you're trying to fit in with men in the room. I think this was a perfect situation for him, and uh, obviously he took advantage of it. Yeah, the awards winner in the past that sends prospects brought up on Twitter is scattered of guys who went on to have great NHL careers and then also guys who may have not. And how funny is it in 2015-16, there was a tie? I mean, that kind of blew my mind. But if you're looking at the high end of what a rookie of the year can do after an AHL, well, that was Miko Rantanen who uh, tied with Frank Vetrano, another NHLer. But other than that, the only standout guys over the last 15, 20 years, Tyler Toffoli won it, former Ottawa Senator Tyler Ennis back in 09-10, and Teddy Purcell as well. But there's also a lot of scattered names there. As um, one of you guys mentioned, I'm not uh, remembering my short term very well, but 
um, that there's a lot of career AHLers as well, which we believe will be the winner of the MVP, one of the two older Iowa Wild players. But you could definitely make a case that Josh Norris would be considered for both. You think of the 13-game point streak he was on, and partly you mentioned the transition coming off the injury. Well, double that down with being a first-year pro and going pointless in your first four games. He really figured out the AHL well, was great in the face-off circle, and Troy Mann put it many times that he's developed into a two-way guy as well. You always worry about the younger guys coming into the pro ranks. Can they play at both ends? That's a problem that we're going to get to later with number 18 on our Send Central draft rankings. That'll be coming up later, but let's get into what it means for the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian talk coming up too, but... Um, Obviously, one of the seven teams that aren't continuing in Pilsy. An interesting note is that that means that they can find trades as long as it's with in those seven teams. Yeah, we're not going to get the same uh, exciting, I have a trade to announce from Batman followed by raining down of booze like we would at the draft, unfortunately. But, I mean, with only seven teams that can trade amongst the, each other, the likelihood of a trade happening anytime soon isn't likely, especially when... All these teams, they're basically looking for the same assets, right? Like everyone's trying to rebuild in these bottom seven teams. So the Senators with a stockpile of draft picks, I don't think they're going to end up doing any sort of moves with these seven teams to trade some of those draft picks, either trade trade up and get a better pick or try to get a veteran guy with some terms so that they don't have to find a veteran guy in free agency to play with all these young guys that are going to be coming up through Belleville and uh, other prospects. So... It'll be interesting to see if there is any trades, but from the Sens standpoint, I don't see them really trading uh, with any one of these seven teams, especially the divisional rivals like the Sabres and Red Wings. Yeah, I don't think so either, but the team who I think this might affect the most is uh, New Jersey. Just they have so many conditional picks. Yeah. I don't know I don't know where they're going to go. They also don't have a head coach right now um, to add that to the mix. But if you're Pierre Dorian, Parley, I'll go to you with this. What's the rush, right? Next season isn't going to start till maybe even January, you have so much time, maybe even seven months after it's all said and done where the Ottawa Senators don't play a game. Would you rush to make a move here? I I mean, it's kind of nice to have the option, though. It's nice to have the option for sure because it kind of seems like it's a blank slate for the Senators right now and for Pierre Dorian. Um, I just don't see a point in making a move because who knows? You have so many players that are going to be joining the franchise through the draft this year. So... It's almost interesting to see, I mean, you obviously would have a plan going in, but when you have nine picks in the first three rounds, those are impact picks. And if you make the move to make it, to get a centerman and then you take four or five centermen, it just doesn't make any sense. I'm glad you mentioned the nine picks in the first three rounds. That leads us perfectly into Pierre Dorian's end of year Zoom call at the start. And then we both listened to him on TSN 1200. He was on with Ian Mendes on the drive with Steve Lloyd as well. Um, And he touched on a variety of topics. One before um, we get into some debate topics. It was great to hear that Anders Nielsen is doing very well, close to 100%. Pierre, um, to Mr. Dorian, I should say, um, said that he is just taking shots away from being ready to return to the ice. So that was great news. Pilsy, what was the biggest standout for you from Dorian's press? Well, Dorian's always a funny guy uh, when he speaks. He kind of has a, has a way about how he go goes about his interviews. But 
what I liked uh, that he pointed out and he was very adamant about is how happy he was with the job that DJ Smith did. And this is a guy, DJ Smith, there was a lot of other coaching candidates. I don't remember them off the top of my head now, but I think the three of us. Patrick can... Waugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was top Yikes. of the list. Eh? Um, I, I think the three of us can all say with, uh, with honesty that DJ Smith was either the last guy on our list for who we wanted to coach or one of the last guys, you know, very under the radar. It was a little shocking when they decided that he was going to be the guy that's going to lead this rebuild, especially in such an important time. So I think it's great that Dorian's giving DJ Smith the props he deserves because he really brought a competitive team to the ice every night with these young guys. So props to DJ Smith. I think he was a coach that came in and we kind of had the scouting report on him was he was a bit of a an old school style guy. He liked having the for example Ron Hainsey, one of the guys he brought over and was given a guy that he had coached before but with the Leafs and you know he was the old school guy that's going to be the defensive defenseman, stand you up in front of the net, back check hard, that sort of thing. But what I liked the most about him was he he was able to get the most out of his players because of what their abilities were. He gave them chances to excel. Perfect example of that, obviously, Brady Kachuk. He likes putting the puck on net, and he likes to throw the body around. He almost had, he would have finished with 300-300 for the first time ever. I would say that's getting the most out of your franchise player at the moment. And then you look at a guy like Anthony Duclair, who had a career year because he allowed him to play with speed and play creatively. I think there's a lot of different things that with young guys, they almost get thrown into a pigeonhole and they kind of get shackled to a role their coach forces on them. He let them develop and use their talents in kind of the best way possible. And yeah, I couldn't be like Pierre. I couldn't be happier with the job that DJ did. Those talents have to, I guess, maybe consistent isn't the right word because the senators only had a couple stinkers, which you couldn't say in the past three years, but they were in almost every game, whether the talent discrepancy was there or not. But Pierre was asked about the future, the short-term future. Is the rebuild going to take a turn? Are the playoffs realistic next year? He said he could not put a timeline on it, and why would you? It's just unnecessary pressure. But Brandon, do you you predict that the Ottawa Senators will be fighting? Now, I'm not saying they're going to make it, but fighting for a playoff spot in the 2020-2021 season. I'm going to go with no here, Ross. And I think uh, you can tell Pierre Dorian was being cautiously optimistic, but we all know they still have some major holes in goaltending. The decor isn't uh, quite made yet. Hopefully you're going to get an NHL impact player with uh, one or both of those uh, high-end first-round draft picks. So I think there's just too much that needs to happen for them to be a contender next season. But once you get another year of Brady, uh, hopefully you get Duclair, Brown, Lockdown. Maybe Norris makes the jump to the NHL next season. Another year of an improving Shabbat. Like, everyone's just going to improve next year. But I think you can start realistically, and you should realistically, be looking at the playoffs in not next season, but the season after that, the 2021-2022 season. I'll agree with that. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of stepping stones that need to take place. I think even that is, uh, they'll be scratching at the playoffs. Uh, at that point, there's, you mentioned goaltending. I think depth down the middle is huge. And, um, there's so many question marks down the middle right now that need to be answered. So, I mean, it's going to be tough, but there's, I think once the playoffs uh, are more attainable, this is going to be a good team because these are going to be some veteran players in Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk. Thomas Shabbat's already playing 
averaging some of the most minutes in hockey. You know, these guys are going to develop into actual pros, right? And uh, I just think the division is so tough. I mean, other than the Met, this might be the toughest division. The Central is tough too, but uh, the Atlantic with the teams in front of you, the Tampas and the Bostons, it's tough to even get out of the division. Yeah, it really is. And the key with those teams, Tampa and Boston, is they have veterans. And when Pierre Dorian was asked about the UFAs, you think Boro right off the top of your head. Um, as the main guy, Ron Hainsey, who played a big role, I mean, plus 10 on that Ottawa Senators team, that's pretty impressive in itself. Among other guys, those are the two main UFAs on the back end, though. And he said, look, there's three, four, maybe five guys who could play in the NHL from Belleville. So he said everyone's going to have be looked at and you can just tell he hates being asked about contracts it is complete change of his like giddy happy self and he's like you guys were happy when we announced shabbat out of nowhere weren't you and you know what he actually has a point like negotiating through the media does absolutely nothing um, but complicate things when you hear something about a client you don't like so I'm really interested in that, and to add fuel to the fire, we mentioned the UFAs, but an RFA, Connor Brown, who put up a career high in points this year, really blossomed, I thought, is um, you know a guy who can play in all situations. He never saw the power play in Toronto, but here he was able to you know almost be on pace for 20 goals, which if you know the show, I had a little action on, which uh, we just voided. We're going to put it off till next year. Um, speaking of next year, doesn't have a contract. The RFA. He is interested in open, his agent said, in the media. So kind of going back at what uh, Dorian hates. But what would be a fair contract for Connor Brown? What do you think the both the team would like to get him at? And what do you think he will be asking for? I'll start with you, Parley, on this one. You see, this is interesting. And contracts right now, uh, to get a little off topic, I mean, imagine trying to sign a contract with the Seattle thing happening next summer. Who knows what time of the year is going to start next year. I think that there's so much that goes into it right now. So that would just be an absolute headache. I'm glad I don't have to deal with. But I think for him, it's tough because he did have a great year this year. And he's a guy you can play in every situation, but you don't want to overpay because he's never going to be your best player. So you don't want to set a mark with a guy like this. It's an, it's going to be a tough one to... um kind of work around but at the same time i would have no trouble with four or five years in term for this guy so i would say maybe uh maybe a four by four or a four by five obviously four million dollars by five years i think that's something that's fair for a guy that's going to contribute play top six minutes for this team for the next i can see it two three years and uh it's just going to be interesting. And another thing you have to worry about too is expiring ELCs for this team, entry level contracts. There's so many that are going to be happening in the four to five year range, even Brady the end of next year. I think there's a lot to consider going into this, but I definitely would not be angry at a four by four or four by five. Other guys who need contracts just to finish the thought RFA wise, Anthony Duclair Mm -hmm. and Chris Tierney, Rudolph Balsers, Nick Paul, and Jace Howerluck, who I'd like to see back, picked up on waiver seven points in 11 games. The other UFAs on the squad, Mikel Bodker, who we mentioned is already signed in Switzerland, Matthew Pekka, and Scott Sabrin up front, and uh, Andreas Englund, RFA on the back end. Of course, Craig Anderson, UFA in between the pipes. Everything else seems set with that. And you can be set, too, with a Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 just like that. $10 will disappear off of your purchase. And it's a 16 pack. And 
Pillsy, why would why would we have sixteen? It's such a an odd number. You think a dozen, a six, but Philpar is smarter than that. Well, first off, Ross, 16 is an even number. Uh, I know you're not a math guy, but 16 is, in fact, an even number. But it's done like that so that you can get your eight bars with nuts and eight bars without nuts. And if you want, there's some good options, too. You can build your own box if there's certain flavors you like more than others or you want to try different flavors but not too many of them. Build your own box. Choose the flavors you want in your 18-bar mix box, and they'll send it to you. So that's pretty sweet, and that's a good way to try out all of those 16 flavors. Yeah, and without breaking the bank calorie-wise, you still want that sweet, sweet chocolate. And you mentioned nut or nut-free, but all of their bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. No need to worry about chipping your tooth. But if you're the health-conscious guy, it's perfect for you. You can lose, maintain weight, but you feel... Like you're indulging in a delicious treat. I know Parley loves treats. He's a mint brownie guy. He loves the 15 grams of protein. He loves how it's only 110 calories. And I love when we have trouble in paradise. Guys, Jack Eichel sounding a lot like Ryan O'Reilly a few years ago when he said he had lost his love for the game of hockey. Jack Eichel with some pretty pointed words at Pilsy, I'm going to call them your Buffalo Sabres. You're always on the Buffalo wagon. Um, <laughs> is this trouble in paradise going to lead to a similar ending as it did with Ryan O'Reilly, where they get fleeced in a trade and then he goes on to win not only the Selkie, not only the Conn Smythe, but a Stanley Cup to boot? That's a tough look for the Buffalo Sabres. And yes, I do have a soft spot for the Sabres, obviously being a Hasek fan. And I've always felt they like. They're just one or two pieces away from making a decent team, especially when you're surrounding it by a guy like Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel is one of my favorite players in the league. And it's just sad to see a guy stuck in Buffalo. He's got that massive contract. Um, Ross, you and I were talking about it. His no movement trade um, clause, I think, kicks in not next season, but the season after. So he's got two more years of no uh no trade clause so that uh, the Sabres could move him if they wanted to, which would be a crazy trade to trade Jack Eichel. But he, it seems like he's had this speech every year. And what do you want the guy to do? He puts up points uh, day in, day out, but he can't do it all alone. And that team needs, uh, they need a goaltender to come in there and save them. And it just seems like every time they try to roll the dice, uh, it doesn't work out with uh, Ryan O'Reilly, with the Evander Kane, Zach Bogosian, uh, Robin Leonard. You know, Jeff just Skinner. all the moves. Yeah, Jeff Skinner. Geez, that's probably the biggest one. Kyle Opozo is still assigned uh, $6 million a year for quite a while. So I think they're just, it's going to take time. But I think this team can turn it around if they keep Jack Eichel happy enough that uh, that they can keep him there and uh, build his attitude up a little because that's got to be tough year in, year out, given that same speech. Could you say the Sabres, they've taken a lot of stabs at it but never really figured it out? <laughs> well, I mean, Sens fans know how good Eichel is. <laughs> 10 goals, 25 points in 17 games against the Ottawa Senators. Including, Did he have four-goal night this season? Yeah, yeah including yeah. maybe one of the nicer empty net goals this season. It went bar down from right in front of his own bench. In, uh, in their own end of, of the ice. So, I mean, just an elite talent. Um, the Athletic did something really cool they, where they took all 24 playoff teams and you could draft one player from one of the seven teams that, uh, yeah, that, that didn't cool. make it. 
And obviously, Eichel goes first overall. Yeah. Montreal finally getting their franchise center <laughs> they haven't had since when? Like the early 1990s, which I think... Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi's not getting it done for him? No, no, that <laughs> sick vision didn't. Another former Hab who had sick vision, Yannick Perot, his son comes in at number 18 on the Sens Central draft rankings, but we have... One more thing to tee up before we get to that. We're new segment alert starting Monday. We're going to introduce the Send Central Citizens. We want to get you, the listener, involved in the show. And we thought, what better way than to bring your hottest take? So we want you to come on. We're going to finish each show each Monday, I think we're going to do, coming off the weekend. Um, we're going to record maybe five, six minutes with any one of our listeners. Feel free to DM us on Twitter at Send Central. We got some good reaction to putting out the tweet today but we're going to ask you how you became a sense fan we want the story your personal um story and actually before i continue we're going to tweet out also what superstition are you going to have going into the draft lottery but we're going to keep that because pierre dorian told a great story about how he's going to have his dad's golf club with him all day for good luck so keep keep that in mind start thinking of some superstitions because the sense are going to have to go all in on this draft lottery, we need some good juju. And then after you tell us how you became a Sens fan and why, we're going to ask you to bring your hottest take, Sens or NHL-related, and we'll debate you on that for a few minutes. So we're really looking forward to that. We're going to start that up on Monday. But before we get to that, number 18 on the Sens Central draft rankings, it's Jacob Perot. You know, this is a guy who, you know, I love, I love player comparables you know who this guy screams to me oh no you might take mine let's let's see i got a comparable lined up if uh, you don't Perot. Mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> low hanging fruit there Ross. <laughs> i'm gonna go with brandon perlini oh this okay. guy went 12th overall to arizona in 2014 and what's what's his calling card pure Sweet. shooter absolutely oh, shooter. lethal gotcha. shooter that's exactly what Jacob Perot's scouting report is. Every single scout on my draft, my NHLdraft.com, which I love because it just gets scouts quotes in there and it just lets you know what they're thinking in one line. And you know what? It's it's impressive that every when you have each scout say one thing about you, and this one's pretty obvious. Um, there's a couple different things that you can see here. He's obviously a great shooter, heavy release. He's able to create space and then get that shot off quickly sort of thing. And it's, uh, it's one of those Phil Kessel type shots where it looks like he's just flicking his wrist, but it's on you in a hurry and it's quick. But, um, you know... He scored 40 goals. Well, he's on pace for 40 goals. He was also on pace to be negative 40 on yeah, the season. That, that so, negative 34 is what he was at, and that is 10th worst in the OHL. Worst on his own team. 39 goals, though. You're kind of like, oh, I'll take the good with the bad. Pillsy, big question with him, though. Are his feet quick enough to make good decisions at both ends of the ice? We hear sometimes he forces plays. Could that be ultimately the reason why he slips in this draft? I'm also very interested in your player comparable. Yeah, partly. I'll, I'll start off with my player comparable for you. Um, and I was watching the highlights of uh, Jacob Pro, and this guy, the first thing you said it right on, partly lethal. That's my first note, lethal mm-hmm. shot right away. 39 goals in the O, how are you? Not a big deal. Don't even worry about that minus 34. But my player comparable, JVR. 
because that guy has a lethal wrist shot. We all know JBR can put pucks in the net. He's been doing it for years. But what's his favorite spot to score from? That tight, bad angle spot right by the net. Yeah, not, not quite in the slot, but just beside it and goes shelf on goalies that are still in their butterfly and sliding over. And there's a little bit of room right between your head and your shoulder in the corner of the post. And he nails it. And that's something that I think is really underrated because it's so valuable to have a guy that can get you a quick, easy goal. You know, it's not about uh, working hard in the neutral zone or anything. It's just he's got an opportunity to take a shot, even if it's a bad angle, and he takes it. So these lethal shooters, they attract defensemen towards them. And then not only does that... uh, does that kind of break the play up and break up the defenseman's uh, overall scheme of how they're going to shut down these forwards, but it draws them towards them, opens up the play for someone else. And he also has really good vision and good hockey IQ to dish the puck when he's getting surrounded. So Jacob pro, there's a lot I like about him and you talked about his foot speed. That is a problem, but when you have a shot like that, you don't necessarily need to be the fastest guy. Look at Kessel, uh, Parley, you mentioned him, right? So I don't think it's something that's going to, you know, deter a team from taking him. It might slot him down lower than his uh, offensive ability should be. But I think Jacob Perot is a good pick for uh, any team looking to add some offense. So, Ross, I have, an, I have a question here for you. And you see that he has a little bit of a foot speed issue, potentially. You know, there's a lot of times where guys like this at 5'11", maybe they're not done growing. So when he gets into his full body, he can get with a skating coach and that can kind of minimize a problem for a guy like this. So my question for you, Ross, is does that do the senators who have a plethora, that's a 10 point word, by the way, Pilsy, of picks moving forward, does this maybe look at as a project with a lot of high end possibility that you can maybe match up with a guy like Alex Formanton, kind of make two wrongs into a right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, what Scott Wheeler said is this sometimes his skating just looks heavy and a little stunted. And because of that, he thinks he might have some trouble getting to the same spots on the ice that he's able to do in the OHL at that le- at that next level. So it is. he's definitely not going to be in the NHL next year. Let's put it that way. He's a guy who's at least going back to the O. And it's going to be uh, a matter of how seriously he takes his development and uh, whether he wants to get his teammates involved because you can score all you want in junior, but we see plenty of guys who do that, but they have to find their niche at the NHL level. So he's going to have to do that. There's no question that he has the vision and the shot and the release to be a good power play guy, but can he get it done at five on five? That's my biggest question uh, for him consistently to be a top six guy, which if you're drafting a guy in this draft in the top 20, he better be able to be a top six guy up front, especially with the depth in the forward position of this draft. So that's all I'm worried about, Parley. Yeah, and I, I see that. And again, at 5'11", who knows if he's done growing yet, that extra inch could add a little more to his stride. You get with the right skating coach. Who knows, right? What I do like about this kid, though, is you mentioned it, Ross. He He's a legacy, and that has so much to do with a player kind of accepting a role. You know what I mean? He saw that his dad was in the room. He saw there was different characters in the room who maybe didn't, you know, have the most NHL quality, but they filled their role the best and it helped out the squad. So it's interesting for these legacies to come into the league. Another interesting note, Ross, that I saw you had in our kind of draft board here was his dad, after playing in the league, 
went on to be a skills coach with the Hawks. So it's interesting to see what that could kind of lead into at the pro level as well. Uh, having a dad who specialized in something for an NHL club who, uh, surprise, surprise, had a little bit of success in the last decade. Yeah, did he ever. And then ultimately he ended up being the coach for his son uh, with the Chicago Mission, although Jacob Perot did play internationally. Therefore, he will going forward with Team Canada. So that's his background. Number 18 on the Sens Central draft rankings that's it for us today as we mentioned very excited for monday with the introduction of send central citizens and we're going to break down our end of season senators awards those are posted on send central you voted but we get final say because it's our show the locked on senators podcast with brandon pillar and chris parliament i'm ross levitan enjoy the weekend we'll talk to you on monday